triangle. Microphone on that one. I know if I 
play the microphone and the music at the same time, then that causes echoes and stuff. So I forgot to turn the mic off on that one. I apologize, we do. So I hope everybody's having a good seventh day. Hope you're getting some rest. Amen. Praise God. Let's go in prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the seventh day. We thank you, Lord, for this appointed time. Thank you for the rest that we are getting or should be getting. Thank you, Lord, for the weather, even if it's hot or cold or wet or dry. We praise you for it anyway. We praise you in the storm. We praise you in the sunshine. We praise you in the drought. We praise you in the rain. We praise you at all times, in the day and in the night. We praise you because you are always worthy and you are always true and faithful and good. We praise your holy name. We ask you, Lord, for your special blessing and anointing on these services and on this sermon that you would use it for your church to increase in understanding and in righteousness and holiness and intelligence and common sense that your church your bride grow to be a very mature very very acceptable bride for your glory we ask your father to please forgive us of our sins and help us to do better please show us our faults our transgressions Help us to point the finger more at ourselves more than anyone else. Help us, Lord, to remove the beam out of our own eye before we try to help others of their sins and their flaws. Help us to not be over-condemning, not be over-judgmental. Please help us to not be over-legalistic. Please help us to not be over-liberal nor gullible. Help us, Lord, be in the right balance, in the center of your will, with your spirit, with your voice, with your help. Please realign our thinking and our ways to yours. We thank you for it. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, Victor, I forgot to put on the microphone. It's right here. I'm going to put it on right now. Uh, God is good. Amen. All right, everybody have a seat. Praise God. Turn to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. 
Romans is one of my favorite books of the entire Bible. It is filled with such precious treasures. Amen. Romans 12, verse 1. This is Paul writing to the congregations of called out ones, the church in Rome. He is writing to the Christians in Rome. Chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of Theos, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to Theos, which is your spiritual service of worship. Amen. Paul is pleading with the church to present ourselves a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice, acceptable to Theos, which is your spiritual service of worship. Now, for people that are listening for the first time, I realize that the Bible commentaries, Strong's Corinth, the scholars, so-called, the theologians, so-called, the professors, so-called, all tell you that you should pronounce it as theos and not theos. I know what they say. I'm not ignorant of that. However, my research, I believe, dictates that it, in reality, originally, it was P.O., Theos, not Theos. That T.O. is pointing to the Alpha and the Omega. T.V. was very interchangeable with Alpha. And then you would have the Omega, the O sound. The reality is that there is much debate among uh, language experts, agent language experts around the world, there is much debate about how to pronounce agent sounds and words. It is not fully agreed upon. So it's a, it's, a, it's a myth and a misconception to think that all the sounds and all the words and all the definitions have been figured out and agreed upon entirely. Because that's simply not true. There is still much debate, even among the well-known so-called experts. So my research has determined that it's Theo, Theos, for the agent word for God. And it says that we should be a living sacrifice to him, which, are, which is our spiritual service of worship. There is a word here within this verse that we need to look at the Greek other than just theos. Uh, 
And that would be the spiritual service. Or the spiritual. And even though it says right now, as far as in the paperback, I don't know what it says in the PDF, there's right now your spiritual service of worship. But it is Greek 3050, Greek 3050 for the word spiritual here. And it is not really spiritual. I put it spiritual as a translation that at the time was difficult to narrow down. But now I'm seeing it as more perfectly would be translated as your reasonable or logical spiritual service of worship. I'm not going to narrow that down quite yet right now at this moment. But there's a Greek word there that is meaning logical or reasonable or reasoning. So it's saying that to worship God is logical. That our spiritual service to God is logical. That's what it's saying. In other words, it would be foolish to not worship God. It would be illogical. It would be unreasonable to not worship God. To, to worship God is logical. Because we were created to worship him and to be in a relationship with him, to be his children, but also to be his bride, to be his companion to be his friend, but always within all of that to recognize that he is the leader, that he is the author and the finisher of our faith, that he is the creator, that he is the husband, the father, the elder, the leader. So it's only logical for us to worship him. And he loved us so much that he sent part of himself, a seed of himself in the human flesh to die for us. That is a lot of love. It's only logical for us to worship him. And he chose us first. Even while we were still yet sinners, he still chose us. It's only logical to worship him. Many people think that they are so highly intelligent and therefore, oh, God can't be real. It's not logical. And yet it takes more faith to believe that all of this is an accident and there's no purpose of life and there's no future, that mankind is just damned to die, to just to self-destruct. It takes more faith 
to believe that everything is by accident, without purpose, without design, without a creator, that takes a whole lot more faith than believing in God. Being an atheist is a religion of self-worship, of worshiping a person's own intelligence, which is not even intelligent. It's foolish. It's a very foolish way of thinking. But it is pride. It is to think that oneself is more intelligent than Christians than the believer. But you have to believe in, even though the atheist thinks he's being logical, unless he's truly seeking and willing to repent, unless he is in that state of mind, he's not being logical to think that everything is by accident, that there's no design. That's not being logical. No. It's only logical to worship God. It's only logical to believe in God, to embrace the reality of God. That is what is logical. Amen. And let's look at the same word in one more place. And it's actually uh, found only in these two verses that we're looking at, I think. Or maybe perhaps don't 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 uh, quote me on that. It might be other verses. But let's just look at this other one. It might be <clears throat> let's look at one Peter chapter two. I believe it is found in other verses. It's just these two verses that we're looking at. One Peter chapter two. Two forty-seven. One Peter chapter two, page two forty-seven. One Peter chapter two, verse two. Verse two, like newborn babes or babies, long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. Where it says word, it is Greek 3050, which means logical or logic or reasoning or rationale. So it's not really talking about Scripture, even though we always thought it was talking about Scripture. Like newborn babies longing for the pure milk of logic or reasoning or rationale so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. In order to grow in salvation, you must use logic right from the very start. Right from the very start. You must seek wisdom. You must seek what is logical. This is how we all start out, is thinking with our common sense, with our reasoning, with our rationale. What is logical? 
Is it logical? Is it reasonable to believe in God? And we were taught, some of us, to believe in God from childhood, but at some point in our life, we had to question that to a certain extent. And if you never did question it, you may be lacking a very important first step. A very important first step. It's not healthy to skip the steps. As you go up the step, if you try to skip and take two steps at a time or three steps at a time, you're going to trip and fall on your face. The most healthy way is only one step at a time. So there are many Christians that have never stopped to think, is it logical what I believe about a trinity, about Christmas, about Easter, about even God's existence and Sunday versus Saturday and so forth, and what Bible do we use and so forth. Most Christians, most so-called Christians have never took a step of logic. They have, they're just robots, just robots. They have been brainwashed and programmed into their religion. The same with the people that remain to this day to be Hindu or Buddhist or atheist or Muslim or Catholic or Pentecostal or Jehovah Witness or whatever. Whatever they was grown in, raised in as a child and have never departed from that, they have not taken the important step of questioning what they were brainwashed with. As babes in Christ, and when we, when we first come into thinking about God and, and why is truth and why is truth, rather it's Sunday or Saturday and so forth, so forth, we need the milk of logic. It starts with logic. It starts with reasoning things out. What is a reasonable religion? What religion is right? Is it Buddhism? Is it Hindu? Is, what, is, what is the right religion? We have to reason it out. But on this earth today, there is a famine of logic. There's a famine of common sense. Amen. People are just robots, just walking zombies. Amen. We need the pure milk of logic, of reasoning. This is an amazing verse, especially after we translate this, change it from word to logic. This is mind-blowing. Amen. Now this word logic, 3050, is related to 3056. And 3056 is logos. Remember that in John 1, verse 1, 
Jesus was the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That word, Word, in John 1, verse 1, is 3056, Logos. The Logos, the Word, the Word of God. Jesus was the Word of God, is the Word of God. So logic comes from the word, word, logos. That's amazing. You cannot have logic without having the word of God. You cannot have logic without having the word of God. You cannot have logic without having Jesus. That's mind-blowing. You cannot have logic without Jesus. Amen. God is so good. But people have pushed away logic. They have pushed away Jesus. They have pushed away the Word of God. They have pushed away the Scripture. They have pushed away the name Jesus. Pushed it away. And trampled it underfoot. There is no common sense left in this world, not very much. Of course, it still exists in the body of Christ. Amen. Logic still exists in the body of Christ and in those that are seeking and going to be coming into the body of Christ. But for a lot of people, They don't have logic anymore because they have pushed away the source of logic, Jesus. They have pushed away him and his name and his power and his authority and his love. They have pushed it away willingly. I have said many times as we go through scripture, we talk about different doctrines, that a lot of the Babylonian traditional doctrines such as Trinity and eternal hell, they don't make sense. They are not logical. It is not logical to believe that God is three different, distinct persons. It's not logical. It goes against common sense. Logic is common sense. And because logic is common sense, the source of logic and the source of common sense is God. God is the source of all knowledge, of all human reasoning, of which is reasonable and righteous reasoning, and the, the reasoning process, the, the brain function of thinking. He gave us that. Amen. God is the creator of logic. God is the creator of our ability to reason. And when we have, as a society, pushed God away in school, in culture, in government, when people as a society push God away, they they thereby push away logical thinking and common sense. Amen. This is another way to know that God is not present in 
Babylon. When they're teaching illogical doctrines, such as the Trinity, that God is three different distinct persons, that's not logical. That proves to you that God is not in that doctrine. If it's not logical, God is not the source of that doctrine. Amen. Amen. And God is not the God of Babylon. God is not the God of Babylon. The Babylonian church is not God's church. The Bible calls it the synagogue of Satan, the church of Satan. It's what the Bible calls the Catholic church, the Pentecostal church, the Jehovah Witness, the Seventh-day Adventist, Buddhism, Hinduism, and Islam and the Baptist Church, and the Methodist, and the Presbyterian, and the Mormons, and many others, and all the others. Because denominations and division is not from God. God is not the author of confusion. The word Babylon means confusion. Babylon is confusion with over 200 Denominations of, well, are you a Southern Baptist or are you a Southern Baptist or a Primitive Baptist or a what kind of Baptist? Those are confusion. Confusion. Amen. And the Baptist church don't even believe that people need to be baptized anymore. That's confusion. Amen. Society has been dumbed down. People have been turned into dumb robots, zombies. And this has happened with the tools of the devil, including genetically modified food, fluoride, the internet and computers, video games, leftist theology, traditional theology, the feminist agenda, the homosexual agenda, Islam, which is a pretty stupid religion, Buddhism, which is a very stupid religion, Hinduism, which is a very stupid religion, and YouTube, which is a very stupid source of religion and religious theories and foolish, ridiculous prophecies. YouTube is the worst place you could ever go to do research or to learn about God or truth or prophecy or the Bible. Stay away from YouTube when it comes to those things. I'm fine with using YouTube to watch um, an old TV program or a TV program or a movie or some music, something like that. But... When it comes to religion and researching, stay away from YouTube. YouTube itself has been used to dumb down society, just like these false religions and video games, soy, fluoride, and other things, many different things have been used to dumb down society. And I'm not completely against computers and the Internet because, hey, I use the computer. I'm on the computer all the time. 
But society would be much better without computers, without any computers at all, and without any internet at all. Society and the world and people as a whole and the church would be much, so much better off. I don't care about how much we have benefited from, from the internet to be able to publish the truth and find the truth and research the truth. I don't, that is a point that is completely mute, completely mute, because we can learn the name Jesus without the computer. We can learn God's existence and God's will and God's truth without a computer. People did it for 6,000 years. We don't need those things to learn about God and his will. God called Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses and Noah, they didn't have computers. Don't tell me we need computers to learn truth. We don't need it. Amen. So I'm not completely, though, against it, though, but the world would be better off without it. Absolutely. And it was Satan that brought computers and Internet into this world, but yet every one of you that are listening right now you're using a computer or a phone, which Satan brought into this world. Because God turns what the devil meant for harm into good. Just like when the brothers of Joseph sold him into slavery, they meant it for harm. God meant it for good. So God can use bad things that the devil brought into being. God can use even the Antichrist, even the devil himself. God can use such things. Amen. And I'm not completely against video games. There are some video games that I used to play, and if I still had time, I would play them. There's a one or two or three uh, survival video games teaching you survival skills and, and challenging your, your rationale, your logic, and your choices of what survival tools that you would seek out first in the game and how you would use those things, where you would go, and how you would survive. They're pretty good games. I don't see nothing demonic about that at all. Although the devil brought video games into this world. It was Satan that brought video games into this world and computers into this world and internet and telephones. But we're using a computer right now and God is not striking us down with lightning. But you do have to be extremely, extremely careful about what you watch on TV, what you watch on YouTube, what you listen to, what kind of music, what songs, what video games, so forth. You do have to be extremely careful about what you put into your ear gate 
an eye gate. You have to be extremely careful about it. And that's the problem is because lost people don't have godly logic. Their way of reasoning is much like Halloween. They look at Halloween and they say, nothing wrong with Halloween, it's just child's play. There's nothing wrong with it, they say. It's just play. It's just a game. It's just fun. It's just candy. It's just children. And yet, they ignore the fact, huge, tremendous fact, that the symbols and imagery the, the visual of Halloween is nothing but darkness, gore, death, witchcraft, vampires, murder, horror, ever abomination to the Lord. Ever abomination unto the Lord is within Halloween. Their form of reasoning, their form of logic is not logical, but rather foolishness. Foolishness is not logic. It is foolishness. Amen. Philo, who wrote the book of Hebrews, said in another book he wrote called The Wisdom of Solomon that Jesus is wisdom. Let's read that in The Wisdom of Solomon, which you will find in the book of uh, Wisdom. Book of Wisdom, volume number three. Turn to page 152. Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 7. Volume 3, which is your song book, wisdom book, page 152, Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 7, starting in verse 25. Page 152. We're not going to start really in verse 25. Let's go back a little bit. Wisdom chapter 7.
Let's just try to read from verse 1, Wisdom 7, verse 1. This is Philo who wrote the book of Hebrews, but he wrote this years before he wrote Hebrews, and he did not yet know of the birth of Christ as far as Christ being born because Christ had not yet been born when he wrote Wisdom. But he did learn of Christ uh, later on in his life because he, he lived during the time of the Old Testament and New Testament, both. And he knew that Christ was about to be born. This is the background and the context of this chapter. God had taught him that Christ was going to be born in his lifetime or that at some, at some time that Christ would be born, the Messiah would be born. And verse 1 says, I myself also am a mortal man. It's very important that he says he's a mortal man because Babylon teaches you that you are immortal. But he confesses that he is able to die. His soul is able to die. He is mortal. And he says, everybody is mortal. It says, I'm a mortal man like everybody else, like to all. And I am the offspring of him that was first made of the earth, Adam. And in my mother's womb was fashioned to be flesh in the time of ten months, being compacted in blood of the seed of man and the pleasure that came with sleep. And I believe that is referring to sex. And when I was born, I drew in the common air. So he's saying, praise the Lord, that there is common sense, the word common, that there is the breath of life that entered into all mankind. And that breath of life is the Holy Spirit. The breath, the holy breath. Everybody, even the lost, has a measure of the Holy Spirit because you cannot be alive without God's Spirit inside you. You can't be alive without God breathing into you. God breathing into Adam. God breathing into you. That's his breath, that air that you inhale and exhale. That came from God. Without the Holy Spirit, no one can be alive. Now, with that Holy Spirit comes not only oxygen, but something else that is common to all men until you push them away. That is logic, even as newborn babes. Seek logic. Seek reasoning. Seek, what does that sound mean? What does that word mean? What does that sound mean? What does that word mean? Babies do try to reason out. You ever thought about that? A baby could not learn Spanish as a Spanish child in his crib without logic. Same thing with English or Chinese. It takes logic. It takes a reasoning of the brain Wheels turning, those cog wheels turning around in that head, figuring out how to speak, how to crawl, 
what he looks like. Who is that staring at me? Why is that person sticking his tongue out at me? Why is that person being a stupid fool in front of my face? What, what is this person doing? Amen. So I drew in the common air and fell upon the earth, which is of like nature, as the first voice which I uttered was crying, as all others do. I was nursed in swaddling clothes, and that with care. And there is no king that had any other beginning of birth. So whether you're rich or poor, we all had to be born into this world. This is common to all mankind. Verse 6, for all men have one entrance into life and the like going out. In other words, we all live and we all die and we all come in the same way and we all leave the same way. It is not that some people are going to heaven and some people are going to hell because that would be two different ways. That would be two different ways, but there's only one way in and only one way out. And everybody goes back to God, both the wicked and the righteous. They all go back to God, according to the book of Ecclesiastes. Amen. Verse 7, wherefore I prayed, an understanding or reasoning was given to me, and I called upon Theos. And the spirit of wisdom wisdom came to me. This is an increased measure of wisdom came to him. Because we all have some measure of reasoning, even as a child. We grow in that measure of reasoning all of our lives, hopefully. But especially at that moment that we begin to seek God and seek his truth, then, we are given a much greater measure of reasoning and logic that comes from God in which it is called wisdom. Once it reaches a certain measure, once it reaches a certain level, a certain intensity of logic, it's more than just common sense. You start out with a baby's measure of reasoning. You grow into a toddler's measure of reasoning. You grow into a young child's measure of reasoning. And you grow in that measure, and then eventually you get saved, and you finally start growing in a certain measure of logic that then becomes, it's called wisdom. Amen. Just like HIV and AIDS. HIV is nothing more than having the virus in your body, but you might not ever get sick from it other than just being tired, having certain symptoms of the virus being in your body. But once you reach a certain level of intensity, of the virus in your body, that it has severely weakened your immune system and you start catching diseases from the air or from what you touch. Your body is so weakened in its immune system that you start catching pneumonia or you 
start developing cancer or whatever because your body can't fight those things off. Then, then it is reclassified as not just HIV, but AIDS. AIDS is not a different virus. It's the same virus, but it's intensity. It has intensified. So the same thing with logic and reason. It starts out as common sense and reasoning, and it grows into wisdom. And the people that are not safe have no wisdom. They really have no wisdom. And even when you do get saved, it's only a measure of wisdom. You have to keep growing both spiritually as well as just as a human being. Just as a human being. Even people that are lost, as they get older, their measure of logic grows into a certain measure of wisdom just from exercise of life, just from seeing the world and and hearing things and learning things of so many times that they have made mistakes and repeated those mistakes that they finally learn to not make those same mistakes no more. So they start to grow in a certain measure of logic and reasoning that we call wisdom. Once you reach into that measure, you're closer to God. You're closer to God. Even if you're still lost, you're closer to God. Once you gain wisdom just by being older, even lost people become more holy, more righteous, more true to God as they get older, even if they remain lost. Most people, as they get older, they stop smoking pot drink less, party less, become more responsible with their money, more responsible in their decisions, more responsible with their family. They settle down. They grow in wisdom as they get older. Their life is less chaotic. Their life is more stable. Their life is more righteous even if they're still lost, just by growing older. This is the human nature that God gave us. How wonderful that is as we grow closer to the age of death, even if we're lost. We're growing in common sense, hopefully. It's the way it used to be, but not so much no more. These days, as I said, there's a famine of logic, and there is therefore also a famine of wisdom. In this world we live in now, even old people still smoke the Pope. <laughs> the dope. They smoke the Pope. They smoke the dope. They still smoke the wacky weed. Old people doing that? That's stupid. That's silly. That's childish. It's a childish thing to smoke weed. Childish, foolish, stupid. And you got older people in their 50s and 60s and 70s promoting it. By this age, they should be settled down. By this age, they should have already grown in wisdom. But common sense is lacking in this world. 
even among the aged. Pretty sad state of humanity. Verse 8. Talking about wisdom, it says, I preferred her before scepters and thrones, and esteemed riches nothing in comparison of her. Now this word her, I was looking at today in the Greek, is really not the word for her, nor he, but rather is a word that can just be translated any way you want to translate it, depending upon the context. You can put it as he, she, or it. So, but the reason it says her is that eventually in a verse here somewhere as we'll get to verse 12 let's read to verse 12 I mean let's read verse 12 verse 12 says I rejoiced in them all because wisdom goes before them and I knew that, that she, I knew not that she was the mother of them talking about wisdom being a mother of good things so that's why it, it chooses to translate it as her, even though it could be he, she, it. Now we need to understand here that Philo is now speaking of wisdom as being a person or a being. And this is in one sense symbolic. He's using wisdom as a symbol of a person or vice versa. And that is just a writing technique that you would use like in a poem or an analogy of some of some type. It's just symbolism. He's not truly saying that wisdom has the female breasts and the female body parts. Oh, come on now, right? He's not truly saying that wisdom literally has female boobs and female body parts. He's just using the language of symbolism that you would use in such of a uh, philosophical story as philosophical account. Amen. Put my glasses back on. And let's read verse 13. I learned diligently to and to uh, communicate her liberally. In other words, to, to communicate with wisdom. I do not hide her riches. She, wisdom, is a treasure unto man that never fails, which they that use become the friends of Theos, and being commended for the gifts that come from learning. So if we use wisdom, we become the friends of God. Verse 15, Theos have granted me to speak as I would, and to think worthily of the things that are given me because it is he that leads unto wisdom and directs the wise. 
For in his hand are both we and our words, all wisdom also, and knowledge of workmanship. For he hath given me certain knowledge of the things that are, namely, to know how the world was made and the operation of the elements, the beginning, the ending, and the mist of the times, the alterations of the turning of the sun and the change of seasons, and the circuit of years and the position of stars. Now, when it says there, the turning of the sun, it does not literally mean that the sun moves and that the sun literally turns around the earth. There are a lot of people, the flat earth people. Not only do the flat earth people teach that the earth is flat, but they teach that the earth does not move, but rather the sun moves around the earth, opposite of reality. Flat earth people are opposite of logic and common sense and wisdom. Amen. Flat earth people are the most gullible, childish, immature fools that ever walked the earth. And that's just reality. I don't care if that offended anyone or not because the truth is the truth. This is not teaching that the sun literally revolves around the earth, but rather when we look at the sun, it looks like it is moving. It, it is the appearance. It is the appearance to the human eye. Amen. Verse 20. That wisdom has also taught him about the natures of living creatures and the fury of the wild beasts and the violence of wind and the reasoning of men, the diversities of plants and the virtues of roots. For all such things are as are either secret or manifest, then I know. For wisdom, which is the worker of all things, taught me. For in her, in wisdom, is an understanding spirit that is good, quick, and cannot be led it ready to do good. We're not going to get stuck on those words. I know it's stumbling over the words. I know it's difficult to understand but we have to keep moving on. It's kind to man. Wisdom is kind to mankind. It is steadfast. It is sure. It is free from cure, which means you don't have to be over-anxious. Amen. You don't have to be over-anxious. Having all power, overseeing all things, and going through all understanding, pure and most stable spirits. It's starting to sound like he's saying wisdom is God. And that's what he's saying, Annie. That is what he's saying. Amen. For wisdom, verse 24, for wisdom is more moving than any emotion. She passes and goes through all things by reason of her pureness. For she is the breath of the power of Theos and a pure influence flowing from the glory of the Almighty. Therefore, no one, no unbef- <clears throat> therefore can no defiled thing fall into her. The wicked cannot endure the presence of God. 
He is saying that wisdom is God, that God is wisdom. And not only that, but Jesus is God. Jesus is the word of God. Jesus is logic. Remember John 1, verse 1, that Jesus, the word, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God. That word is logos, of which bears fruit to logic in the Greek language. And the breath, which is the word of God. Amen. Verse 26, for she wisdom is the brightness of the everlasting light, the unspotted mirror of the power of Theos and the image of his goodness. Remember that the book of Hebrews, which Philo also wrote, says that Jesus is the image of God and the brightness of God. It says that in Hebrews 2, the image of his brightness or something like that. Verse 27, and, and being but one, not three, look at that, being but one, or that, would be, that can be translated as being only one. She can do all things. I remaining in herself, she makes all things new, and in all ages, entering into holy souls, that's the Holy Ghost entering into us, she makes them friends of Theos and prophets, friends of God and friends of prophets. Jesus said that if we do the will of the Father, that he calls us friends. And here it is, you know, this is amazing. Amen. This is amazing. Verse 28 for Theos. Loves none but him that dwell with wisdom. Now, that word love is a strict translation of that word. It is agape, godly love. It's a strict, literal translation. However, whenever translating, we always need to compare what other verses use that word and also what other verses uses the sentence or talks about that topic, talks about that subject. We know that the scripture says in another place that God loved us while we are still yet sinners and still uh, died for us while we are still yet sinners and that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. So we know that God loves even the people that don't have wisdom. But the thing is, he favors and be friends, and becomes a lover to the people with wisdom, the people that are willing to embrace wisdom, the bride. God loves his bride, but he also loves the foolish virgins that will not become his bride. He was engaged to marry those foolish virgins. He wanted those foolish virgins. He wants everybody. He's not willing for anyone to die, but for all to come to everlasting life. But by comparison of the fools and the wise, he loves the bride that is willing to receive his seed. He is 
loving the bride who is willing to receive his seed of wisdom. That is the one that he will marry. He will not marry the foolish, illogical, lacking wisdom, lacking lacking wisdom, lacking intelligence, lacking common sense, fools. He will not marry those people. So he does not love those people in the same way that he loves the bride. So you can compare this to Isaac and Esau, that the Bible says that he forsook Esau. He loved Isaac. But he really loved both. They were both his creation and they both serve a purpose in the tribes of mankind. Both Esau and Isaac both served a purpose in bringing about different nations and different tribes and different races, different languages, and different cultures upon this earth. And God used even the wicked man to bring about something that had to be brought about, that had to be brought about, about upon the earth. And God still not only used Esau, but would love to see him still enter in in that second resurrection. God would still love to see Esau get saved in that second resurrection. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. I have no idea. But I know the character and the nature of God. And the character and nature of God is that Esau does have a chance, even as Sodom and Gomorrah has a chance in that second resurrection. So when it says here, that God loves no one but him that dwells with wisdom, you've got to consider everything ever written in the Bible, everything, that he died for us while we were still sinners. That is a lot of love for people that had no wisdom at that time. Amen. So even though it's a literal and correct translation, the context of the entire scripture teaches us that it's marriage love. That he did love Esau, but the Bible says that he did cast away Esau. So it's it would be good for us to add a note here somehow, some way, that this love is talking about marriage love, even though he loves all mankind. This explanation comes from wisdom from above, not the wisdom of man. This explanation I just gave you explained scripture, and I'm not twisting scripture. 
I'm telling you exactly what it says, what is the strict literal translation, but I'm reminding you of other scriptures, not going by one verse theology. I'm reminding you of everything ever written in the Bible and the very nature of God. Amen. The very nature of God. God is love. Amen. God is love. He loves everyone, even those that lack wisdom. But he wants to fall in love with you. He wants you to fall in love with him. So you can love many different women. And you can love many different men. But there is a deeper love, the agape is a deeper love. This is, this is marriage love between God and his bride, and he will marry only those that have wisdom. Marriage love. He will only marry those that have wisdom. Matthew 25 teaches us that, that he will marry only those that have wisdom. So we have to add Matthew 25 as a reference. Where's my pen? Hang on, let me throw my microphone down. God is such a great teacher. Yes, he is. So verse 28, I'm going to put Matthew 25 at the end there. And I'm going to put love equals marriage love. Amen. And look at verse 29. She is more beautiful than the sun. Talking about wisdom. Is more beautiful than the sun. And above all the order of stars. Being compared with light, she is found before it. And after this comes night, that vice shall not prevail against wisdom. Amen. Praise God. So he's saying that God is brighter than the sun. He's more beautiful than the sun and the stars. He's higher than all creation. God is God. And darkness will not prevail. Amen. Philo taught that Jesus is the breath of God, the image of God, the glory of God, the wisdom of God. And that wisdom, common sense, is from God. And that if we want to marry God, we've got to obtain wisdom, godly wisdom, not the so-called wisdom of this world, which is foolishness to God. And remember, all that symbolic language of a female is just a, a way of writing. He's not literally saying that God has breasts. So all these people that are so gullible and foolish, like the flat earth people, they need to grow up and mature and learn how to read the Bible, how to understand the Bible. They need to seek wisdom. They need to seek logic. They need to seek reasoning. God is spirit, not flesh. God is neither male nor female, really, truly. He chose 
the personality of the male. He chose the character and the symbolism of a male, for the most part, to relate to us as being the father and the bridegroom. But he is neither male nor female. He is spirit. He is spirit. You need to start understanding that. And his spirit is in the rock, is in the fire, is in the key, is in the tree, is in the steel and the aluminum, is in the carbon, is in everything that you touch and see and taste and feel and smell. God is there. There's no escape in his presence. He fills the universe. Amen. God is so good to teach us. And one last thing is concerning Halloween. Common sense, logic, wisdom says that Halloween is demonic and that no person, Christian or otherwise, no person should participate in Halloween in any way, in shape, any form. You should not answer the door for Halloween. You should not hand out candy. You should not hand out gospel tracts. You should not smile at their costumes. You should not participate, be involved, answer the door to the devil whatsoever at all. No excuses, no reasoning your way out of it. Halloween is totally demonic, and there are certain things that we should not touch. The Bible says, touch not the unclean. There are certain things that you should never touch, ever, and make no exceptions for, such as taking the vaccine and opening your door to the devil on Halloween. No compromise. Amen. We are the people of the Lord, and we have the holy days of God. We just celebrated. How dare anyone to think that you could keep the holy days of God and then just a few days later open the door to the devil, thinking that you can save them with a gospel track? They're just going to throw that in the trash. You're just wasting your time and your energy. When you open the door to the devil, you allow the devil in to your heart and to your mind. You smile at their face. You smile at their costumes. You laugh with them. You greet them goodbye. You, you say hello. You, the Bible says don't even read these people. Don't even bless these people. Don't even let them in your home, those that come with doctrines contrary to Christ. Christ is one. Christ is not divided. He's got different parts, but he's one entire spirit throughout the universe. He's not divided. And you should not be double-minded yourself. You should be at one with God, in unity with God. Not partaking of the devil's table and the Lord's table at the same time, or just five days apart, or two or three days apart. You just got done participating in the Lord's table for the fiesta, you should not participate in the devil's table of Halloween. Halloween is the fiesta, the feast of the devil. 
and you should have nothing to do with it at all. Do not touch the unclean. Turn off the lights that day. Close the door. Close the curtains. And do not answer it for anything. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Amen. Okay, anybody got anything? Brother Gerald, you got anything? Anybody in the chat room got anything? Anything to share with us? Any questions? Okay, now in the news today I saw that uh, there is a threat from ISIS that there could be a terrorist attack in the United States shopping malls sometime over the next few days. Tuesday is the main election day for Governor of Virginia, which is a very important political contest. and. I expect for that election to be stolen. Maybe it will, maybe it won't, I don't know. But I expect most likely that the Democrats will steal that election just like they stole the presidential election, literally stealing it and cheating their way all the way through it. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. And if ISIS does strike on Tuesday, election day, or before then, uh, I would be. I would think that it is in cooperation with the Democrats to uh, throw down America, destroy America, and prevent a uh, halfway decent good man from uh, winning the election, doing anything and everything in their bag of tricks to uh, destroy freedom and righteousness and goodness, destroy everything that they can. That is their goal, that is their purpose, that is their heart, that is their mind. So, but praise the Lord, the time is short, and those Democrats or everyone are going to be destroyed in the great tribulation. We should pray for that. We should pray for their destruction, even as David did, even as Jeremiah did, even as others did. Uh, because the wicked deserve what they're going to get. They deserve what they're going to get. People need to start doing uh, warfare. Warfare is not just protecting yourself, but also fighting the enemy. And people need to start doing that. The, the world is in the condition it is in because people that call themselves Christians did not want to fight did not want to stand their ground, did not want to vote, did not want to be political, did not want to take a side, and just wanted to stay home and be lazy and do nothing, just let evil take over the world. That is why the world is the way it is today. Lazy Christians who don't understand that God gave us dominion over the earth and we should subdue it. We should subdue it with the sword. We should subdue it with prayer in the name of Jesus, in the power of Jesus. 
but also with the sword. That's the way it always was. And that is the way it will be on the day Jesus returns. We're coming back with power and with authority. We're not coming back kissing people's feet and saying, oh, here, let me pray for you. No, we're coming back destroying. That is the way the army of the Lord is coming back. So if that's too much for you, you know where the door is. Uh, for people to grow up and get a mature mind about such things. God is good. Amen. A lot of wicked people in this world tortures dogs, tortures monkeys and other animals for pleasure and for money. And those people deserve to be tortured themselves. Dr. Fawcett, Biden and others, they deserve to be tortured for extremely long periods of, of time. Everything they did to those dogs should be done to them. Yeah, we do have um, calendar, actually the clock, rather, changing time uh, on the 7th, November the 7th. We would change our clocks back in the United States, one hour back on the 7th. So there's nothing we need to be worried about yet because uh, next seventh day, uh, the time change will not yet be taking effect. So next week, same time, two o'clock in the afternoon, Eastern time, and the clock will not yet be changed yet next Saturday. But later that night, uh, into Sunday morning, on November seventh, that is when we change the clocks. We hour back, so that will be after. We're already finished with services next week. Later on that night, several hours later, then we'll change the clock that one hour. Okay, and we'll try to get out some information about any updates to the AOB. I gotta make some decisions, try to get that information out to everybody as soon as I can. Also, congratulations to our brother in Korea. He was baptized. November 1st, 2016. So that'd be five years ago. Congratulations, brother Decipher in Korea. Five years ago, November 1st, he was baptized into Christ Jesus. Congratulations. And I know it's in the middle of the night for you, brother, but congratulations. We love you very much. And I will let everybody go to bed or Go eat whatever they're going to do now, and I'll talk to y'all later. God bless you, everyone. In Jesus' name, amen.